Good morning, good morning. Are you guys having fun in God's playground this morning? God is loving this. I just got to tell you, like, I feel his heart, and he is just smiling at all the love, all the hugs. Y'all, I got to be honest, I am undone this morning. I've just been undone. God is in love with you. And my name is Shereen, in case you didn't know, and I'm nobody special, but I'm up here because God loves me, and more so, he loves you. I am just a willing vessel. And if you attend this church, or if you're a guest, I just want you to know that I'm up here because the leadership of this church believes with their whole heart and is passionate about discipleship. And asking God, what are you saying about that person? And what are you saying about them? What do you see on them? And what do we do to help them grow? And so I'm up here because of them. And so I just feel very humbled that um, I am allowed to come up here and stand before you and tell you what God is saying. But he's in love with you. So he wants you to know that. We're going to talk about fire this morning. Has anybody ever set fire to anything or been in a building on fire and you just sat there? You're like, oh, my two-year-old's on fire. What's on Netflix? You're, you're going to act on the fact that there's something that's on fire. And I have a funny story about that I'll share real quick. And, and my kids, I don't know if they remember, but they're going to laugh anyway if they don't because it was just so hilarious. So we had some leftover fireworks from, I don't know, 4th of July or something. And we didn't. I found this big old fountain firework in the garage. And I was like, hey, kids, tonight you want to pop this off? Sure. They're like five and four, something like that. And so we go out there after it gets dark and... I'm in my nightgown and my fuzzy slippers, and we're just going to light this fountain and go inside. Well, I set the fountain on the end of the driveway, and it's at an angle. And so the fountain was kind of angled outward. So as soon as that first pop went out, it fell, and it just started shooting straight across the street into my neighbor's yard and catching their yard on fire. And I, it was a big fountain, so it was shooting a lot, and I'm just like, screaming because I didn't want to pick it up while it's still shooting flames out and then the kids are back there huddled behind the car like, oh, this isn't fun anymore mom and so I, I don't know what to do until it finally pops everything and there's like all these patches of fire across the street like nobody's out there I don't know why but the neighborhood was deserted at that point um, and I'm just screaming and so I'm like okay it's so like go grab the hose my water hose and it gets like halfway down the driveway <laughs> And I'm, like, yanking on it. And, you know, there's no, like, spray nozzle on it. And so I'm, like, I've got my thumb, and I'm, like, trying to get the water to go. It doesn't get past the driveway. I'm, like, oh, God. And it's growing. The fire is growing. And so I said, kids, stay here. And so I run across the street, and I take off my furry house slippers, and I'm just beating the flames out and finally covered in soot, sweat everywhere. I'm, like, oh. Oh, God, okay, it's, it's gone. And I'm like, the neighbors might want to know <laughs> what has happened. They didn't like me after that. But just side note, next year their grass was really green, so I did them a favor. So fire, it caused a reaction in that case. 
The reaction at first was fear. What is that fire doing? The end result was my neighbors got some nice grass. They didn't realize it at the time, but I did them a favor, right? When we're talking about fire in the spirit, that's really kind of the same thing if you think about it. Scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as fire quite often, and there's a reason. Fire is powerful. In whatever way that you encounter it, you are aware of its power. And so some of you here today, you have asked God to receive the Holy Spirit. And you're not sure if you have received it. And you're wondering if maybe God has withheld it from you. For some reason, there's something wrong with you. Some of you haven't asked God for the Spirit because you don't know what that means. You don't know what that looks like. You're like, I think I'd like to, but I don't really know what that's about, so I've never asked. Some of you haven't asked because, like fire, you're kind of scared of what that means. Some of you have already received the Spirit and felt like you lost it. And you're wondering, when, when and how can I get it back, God? So, he wants to tell you something today. Whatever group you may have fallen in, in that, those categories, calm down. <laughs> it's not that serious. It's not that difficult. God is not withholding anything from you. And it's not scary. It's powerful and it's life-giving. And it's really not that hard to understand. So one of revelation that God gave me in understanding receiving the Spirit, for me, you know, and, and everybody's going to have their own story, so I can only tell you mine, and maybe you can relate. I grew up in church, and I grew up in Pentecostal and charismatic churches where being filled with the Spirit was always talked about, and I mean, there was always a lot of talk about, you know, if you get tongues, that's... That's where you've reached the pinnacle of, of receiving the Spirit. And so I grew up thinking, well, as soon as I have tongues, then I know I have God. And so I was, you know, waiting for that to happen. And I, me and my husband, many years ago, I feel old when I say many, but it was quite a while ago. <laughs> um, we were youth pastors, and we took this group of youth to, to camp and, you know, we were all excited and prayerful about what God was going to do with our youth. And they went in there, and a bunch of them got filled with the Spirit. And this one young lady who was, God was really worried. He, he, she needed help, right? She was in a mess. She got filled with the Spirit. She was speaking in tongues. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. And then I went back to my room, and I was like, God, why not me? And I kind of turned it back on myself, and I got really depressed at that point that, I had been asking for that, and I felt like God was withholding something from me, and I didn't know why. I was like, well, I, I'm your faithful servant. I felt like, you know, in the prodigal son story where the one guy ran off, came back, got everything, and I stayed, and I'm your faithful servant. Like, what about me? Anybody ever talk to God like that? I'm the good one. <laughs> why didn't you give me that gift? So I went through a period of depression, um, just feeling far from God because I felt like, well, God, if you really just think that badly of me, I don't know what I'm even doing. And I still went to church, was going through the motions, but after a while I thought, 
I miss God. I feel so far and I miss his presence. I miss being in love with him. And so finally, I just told him one day, I, was, I remember very distinctly sitting in my living room on my couch. My babies were napping. And I was just praying and crying. And I was like, God, if I never, ever get tongues, I don't care. I just want you. I just want you. I love you and I miss you and I just want you. And I got on my face in tears. I didn't get tongues in that moment. But there was a heart shift and I was no longer seeking the evidence of who he is. But I was just seeking him. A few weeks later, I came to the altar. We uh, were at this church at that time and I remember coming to the altar and just praying. And I, I'm, I'm praying in, in English, but in my mind, there's these like weird gobbledygook things, you know. And, I, and so I'm like, no, no, do not go there, Shireen. We've already established you don't need tongues. <laughs> so now I flipped it. Like he's, he's giving me spirits talking to me. And I'm like shutting it down. Like, nope, I already said I don't need it. That's, you know, it's not for me. And I'm, it's just that I still, there's a part of me that still wants it so bad. Like I'm just coming up with nonsense in my head. Shut it down. Next week came to the altar. Same thing. And so I just real quietly, I was like, you know, started whispering the words that were coming to me. And I was like, all of a sudden, like, oh, I just felt this release. And I was like, okay, that, that's the spirit. Um, but to be honest with you, it was a choice that I made with my own mind to release and surrender my tongue with that unction of the spirit, what it was giving me. It was my job to surrender. But that begs the question, when did I receive the spirit? I was baptized long before then. I was walking with God. I was ministering to people. I was given words of knowledge. I was in love with God. So did I not have his spirit until I decided to release tongues? So this is a revelation that God gave me. Receiving the spirit. So when I asked God, when I told him, God, when, when we have that come to Jesus moment, that's what we're going to call it. You might call it being saved. You might call it a number of things. I'm going to call it a come to Jesus moment. When I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Jesus, I know that I need you. Come into this house. I am giving you the keys to this real estate, and I am sold for you. At that point, Scripture says... In Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14, it says, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the down payment of our inheritance till the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory? So in that moment, Scripture says, When you believed, when you heard believed, and asked. You were sealed. You, you received something. 
The question then is, how is that different when we're talking about the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, which is one of those things being tongues, going around healing, right? These things are evidence, fruits of the Spirit, joy, love, right? When we talk about those things, those are fruits of having the Spirit and being filled with Him. So I want to assure you, if you've made that decision, God has not withheld his spirit from you. So you are designed, each of us, to receive the spirit. You are also designed to be filled. And I'm using those very distinctly, separately, on purpose, because they're not necessarily the same thing. So in regards to God withholding it, if you, if you have not, by the way, made that decision... I want to tell you, you're here today because you heard God. You may not realize it, but if you're here, it's because there was a pull in your spirit to be here. And so God is always talking to you. His spirit is always talking to you before you ever spoke to him. In Psalm 84:11, says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk upright. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I don't see a condition on there except believing and receiving. Asking, right? Did you ask? Then he didn't withhold it. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It didn't say you might. So I'd ask, if God has given it to you, and you aren't sure if you have it, then maybe ask not what God is withholding, but what you are withholding from him. The Holy Spirit brought you the conviction to be here. So sometimes you don't realize that. Like I said, even if you're here because, hey, it's Sunday and this is what we do on Sunday. And so that's in the schedule. I'm checking off what to do. It doesn't matter because you still could have made the choice not to be here. So if you are in a seat today... The Holy Spirit brought you a conviction to be in this place at this time to hear this word. So just know he is wooing you before you ever felt him. And so why then if he, he is so after you that if you ask for him, he's going to be like, oh, well, I know I've been after you your whole life and now you're asking for me. But, you know, you smoked a cigarette this morning. So I don't know if I can dwell in there. I, I, that doesn't sound consistent with, what, with the scriptures we just read. So you have the ability to hear and fill the spirit before you were filled. Why is that? Okay, so we've talked about how you can receive and you're designed to receive. What about being filled? So... I like this imagery that God gave me of a coffee maker, okay? So, who likes coffee? Okay, we've got, 
I know there's more of you who like coffee, but we'll go with that, okay? <laughs> but if I go out and, okay, you're going to go buy your favorite coffee maker, whether it's a Keurig or the French Press or the little Percolator or just that good old boy coffee pot. You're going out to get that coffee pot. And the manufacturer of this coffee maker has designed it to, to hold the coffee grounds and hold the water and, and then at some point, you're going to have the, this beautiful, aromatic, elixir of life, coffee, right? And you get so excited. I remember when I bought my Keurig, like, I was getting with the times. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. But if I just put it there and I put the coffee in the water, okay, coffee, it's coming. I don't hear anything, but... It's supposed to be making coffee. Where's the coffee? <laughs> oh, I forgot to plug it in to the source of power. It was also designed to have to be plugged in to a source of power. And so when you have asked to receive, you've received, you, you have all the ingredients so he didn't withhold it, but now are you plugged in? Now I want to point something else out. If I put my carafe under the, of the spout, as Pastor like say, where the glory comes out, I put my carafe under where the glory comes out, but it's full of dirt. Where is the coffee going to go? If I'm full of something else, I can't be filled with the coffee. So maybe it stands to reason that in order to be filled of the Spirit, I should probably be emptied of me. Scripture has a lot to say about being filled. But I want to, I'm not going to point all of those out, but there are several references where I saw, and Peter, being filled with the Spirit, said this, and Jesus being filled with the Spirit, said this. And it got me to thinking. Being is a present tense. So does that mean they weren't filled before? Being filled is a repeated experience. Just like that coffee maker is meant to be filled. Why does it not just sit there and stay filled because it's meant to be poured out and given away. So it can be filled over and over and over and over. Being filled is for everyone. The designer, your designer, designed you to receive and be filled. And the result is the power of the Spirit at work in your life. Having the Spirit is not an act of walking in the Spirit. You can only walk in, act upon in that which you are filled with. So when you think about being filled, again, I want you to understand, when you ask to receive, you received. If you're seeking tongues, you're seeking an evidence. If you're seeking going around touching people and healing them, you're seeking an evidence. You have to be plugged into the source. So this whole scenario doesn't work without power. 
this is where fire comes in. Fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you a minute about um, the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And if you don't know this story, I'm going to summarize it real quick. But Elijah, prophet of God, he's looking to expose the, the prophets of Baal. And so he goes over there. God has sends him over there, and he says, okay. He gathers all the prophets, and he's like, all right. You got hundreds of, of Baal prophets, and there's only one me. I'm the only prophet of God right now. I want to take two bulls. You take one, and I'll take one. You build an altar. Put your sacrifice on it. Okay, don't set it on fire. I'm going to take my sacrifice. I'm going to build a wooden altar, and I'm going to put mine on there. I'm not going to set fire to it. But... I am going to dig a trench around it and dump water all over it and fill that trench. And so my sacrifice is going to be drenched in water. And then what we're going to do is you're going to call upon your God to bring fire and burn up that sacrifice. And I'll call on mine. And so the prophets of Baal, they're, all right, get their sacrifice ready. And they are travailing all day long and prayer and Elijah's over here kind of mocking him like hey how's it going over there <laughs> where's your God at and you know they're like oh you know doing their thing and just all day nothing finally Elijah's like okay you've had your chance all right God boom he says a prayer God not only sends a fire and consumes the sacrifice consumes all the water in the trench. Elijah says, the God who brings fire, he is God. So Elijah does this amazing thing, right? There is definitely God shows up there. That is a miraculous event. Well, as soon as this happens and these prophets, they get arrested. Elijah's like, arrest them. And they get killed. And so Jezebel says, you know what, Elijah, I'm not happy with you. Get ready. I'm after you. I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. And after this miraculous event, Elijah's like, oh, my God. And he runs off scared, go hides in a cave. And he's like, oh, God. Oh, Lord, just kill me now. They're after me. I'm the only prophet you have left. And I'm just, oh, I can't do this. Kill me now. After he just did this amazing thing. And so if, if we're talking about being, I can relate to this, because i got to tell you, I could be in here today and, and see the miraculous work of God. And then when I go get in the car, i got to tell you, I'm probably the least filled with the Spirit I, at any point in the day is when I'm in traffic. And I'm like, oh, woe is me, God, why, why, why? Just kill me now. This traffic is terrible. I don't want to be here. And so now, granted, Elijah is before the, the comforter was sent, but I just really relate to his story. And then he did this, and then he goes and hides in a cave and starts crying to God, kill me now. And we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. Does that sound like being filled with the Spirit? He made a choice in that moment to believe a lie. And when you believe a lie, you start filling up with junk, and there's no room for the Spirit. So again, it's a choice that repeats itself in every circumstance. But when we're talking about why is this even needed, okay, it sounds great and I like it, but do I really need it? Well, Scripture says fire is necessary. And so when we're talking about that, in Hebrews it talks about how God is a consuming fire. In Exodus, he manifests as a burning bush. He manifests as a pillar of fire. 
And even more so in Matthew, John talks about how we're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. So why is it necessary? So I have a, a good example of this in that my, my grandma, my dad's mom, she doesn't speak hardly any English. She has a couple phrases. She says, and I don't know why, but I always have to say it the way she says it in her little accent. She says, is grandma I love you? <laughs> grandma love you. Give me a kiss. Come here. Give me a kiss, grandma. That's how she always talks. Those are the only phrases she knows. And, I mean, I haven't seen her in probably 15 years or so, but I know that voice. And I hear her on the phone with my dad when I walk into his house, and, and I can hear her saying, oh, it's grandma. And I'm like, yes, my grandma. When we were kids, you know, and she would come to visit, I would, I love just being in her presence. She'd be ironing clothes, and I'm laying on the bed and just being with her. Couldn't have a conversation, but I love being with her. And when I think about what God's spirit empowers us to do, imagine if I'd all of a sudden be gifted the ability to talk with her in her own language. How much more deep and rich my relationship would have been with her. Does that mean I didn't have a relationship with her? No, I did. But when we're talking about our relationship with God, like we can be in his presence. We can feel his presence. He can talk to us. But what brings understanding is the spirit. Now keep in mind, if I did all of a sudden get gifted with the ability to talk back and forth with my grandma, I could actually still choose not to listen to her. She could tell me to do something, be like, yeah, don't feel like it, grandma, sorry. So understanding still comes with a choice. So fire is necessary because it does deepen our connection with God when we become the conduit of the Holy Spirit. It's what brings truth. When we don't know what to pray, spirit prays. We don't know what's true, he reveals it. We don't know what to do, he tells us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're walking frustrated and you don't know what to do, it's time to ask, what do I need to give up and lay down, God, so that I can receive and be filled with your spirit so that I know what to do? It is for everyone, again, for everyone. Not a single one of you is not meant to have it. What happened in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, you have 120 people up there praying. And it talks about how they, when they were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came down, descended like tongues of fire on each one of them. It wasn't a lottery. It wasn't like, oh, you get it, and you get it, not you though, and you get it, I'm iffy on you. They all got it. The prerequisite was that they were available and they were surrendered. So there's no prerequisite here other than surrender. You are already designed to have it. If, if I wanted to give you a gift and you have your hand closed, how do you receive something when you're not open to be able to take it in? So I feel like in my past, I was kind of that way with God where I say, oh, God, please give me this gift. Please. I'd love to, baby girl, but you won't let me in. You know, the Bible talks about our tongue being the most unruly member. So for me, when I'm sitting there asking for tongues, I wasn't really surrendering my tongue. And the evidence was that he was actually giving it to me. And I was like, no, 
I won't say that nonsense. So perhaps that's one of the hardest things for God to give us. And we won't let that unruly member be under his control. Fire is power. We've talked about that already, but I want to give you a quick illustration. Has anybody ever tried to drive a car without power steering fluid? Is it really, really hard? <laughs> I've seen my, my husband trying to do it, and he's a strong man, but he's like, he's like, you see his muscles bulging and sweat breaking out, and I couldn't turn the wheel at all. Um, Add the power steering fluid, and all of a sudden, I can turn that wheel with my pinky. I feel super powerful, and I'm not really doing a dang thing. That's what the Spirit is meant to do for us. It's not supposed to be hard. We're not supposed to figure it out. We are meant to be power-assisted. So when you are thinking about, I can't do this, you're not supposed to. God says, let it go and let me. I can't bear this. You're not supposed to. Put it down and give it to me. I'm not strong enough. You're not supposed to be. I am glorified in your weakness. I don't know what to pray. It's okay. My spirit knows what to pray. It's not your prayer. It's not your ability. It's God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Fire transforms. So, I don't know, growing in church, I always had this analogy, but if you didn't know, you've never heard it. Gold is refined by putting it in the fire. It's heated up until the, it melts and the impurities are separated, and then the purified gold is then taken and reshapen into whatever the refiner wants it to be. So how does fire, the Holy Spirit fire, transform us? Galatians 5.16 says, But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. God, why do I keep eating all of these donuts? I'm supposed to be on a diet, and I can't say no. <laughs> sort of a frivolous example, but hey, that's a real thing. I, does anybody? Can, no? Okay. It's just me. Phoenix can relate. She's the donut freak in our family. <laughs> the Holy Spirit empowers us because it's not us that's putting it down. It really is that easy. Um, we make it harder than it is because we don't surrender to the Spirit. Giving up control is harder than me. I know God has revealed things that I thought I put down that I did not put down. I'm like, God, I surrender all really aren't. I love you, but you're not surrendering all. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So when you say, I just don't know what to believe. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit reveals what's true. And when you hear what's true, there's an unction in you that says, I don't know why that's true, but it is. That's the Holy Spirit. That begins a transformation into walking into that truth. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test 
and approve what God's will is. Notice that it says be transformed. This implies a passive role. You are not doing the transforming. You don't get credit. So when you say, I don't know how to change, the Holy Spirit transforms. So here's what God is wanting you to take away from this. Are you running to the source? If fire is power and it makes you move, do you ever feel like, especially in services, I know that's where we tend to, that we come here for that, whereas during the week sometimes we, we just get bogged down in life and we may not be seeking that, but if you're here, you're seeking it. So sometimes in this atmosphere it's a little, but I mean, you're just sitting in your chair and you know, you want to get up and do a little shout. You're like, oh no, I can't do that. People, what will they think of me? Has, anybody, has everybody ever thought that? Especially young people, you're just where you're like, oh, if I shout, like they're just all going to think I'm a freak. That is the fire urging you to action. That is the presence of God saying, this is what it feels like. So, listen, I, I got to tell you. I've never probably been that one just because of the environment that I grew up in where I was afraid to, to shout or run around the building if I just, especially when I was a kid, that was just an excuse to get up and run around. Like, sit down in your seat, mom, I'm being moved by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you can't stop the Holy Spirit. So, but that's a real thing. No matter how old you are, depending on the background you come from, where the Holy Spirit's moving on you, and you're like, no, no, I can't do that. So then are you really surrendered? There's always, <laughs> there's always this song. You know what? I'm not that great of a singer, but I'm going to sing you a song. Is that okay? I'm going to sing you something. I, I can't, I'm not good enough probably to get on here for the worship team, but I won't, I won't kill you. But there's this song that I always love, and the kids probably hate it because I'll be in the car singing it at the top of my lungs. They're like, oh, God, Mom. But it gets me moving, and it really is a very good example of what the fire will make you do. So the song goes, I'm just going to sing a verse. It goes, Jerusalem was a shaken, Pentecost had arrived. The disciples threw a party, and they were drunk on the new wine. Peter stood among them. He said, there is no doubt. This Holy Ghost power, he'll make you want to shout. Some people get offended because I dance and shout. They say, that's too much emotion and too much moving about. Don't tell me to be quiet or go sit down in some pew. Because if you felt what I felt, I know you'd be shouting too. Because he is like fire. Shut up in my bones, this Holy Ghost fire. Shut up in my bones, he is like fire. Shut up in my bones, this Holy Ghost fire. Shut up in my bones. 
If you want fire this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you are moved by the Holy Spirit this morning to say, I don't know what it's about, but I want it. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to imagine right now, because many of you came in here and you had a smile on your face, but you are hurting and you came in here needing something. And God is just asking you to run to the source. You say, I'm going to keep my eye on the prize because I want that sweet elixir of life, the Holy Spirit. And the enemy says, boom, cancer. I don't care, God. I'm running to you. Oh, depression. I don't care, God. I just want you. Oh, somebody died and it hurts and I'm grieving. I don't care, God. I'm running to you. Oh, I got a divorce, God, and I'm in pain. I don't care, God. I'm running to you. He's telling you, run to me. Run to me again and again. Run. Run. That's life. That is life. That is power. That is what he is asking. It is not a formula of how long do I need to pray. It is not a formula of who's the elder that needs to put the hands on me. It's not a formula of, oh, the pastor has the word that I need. The Father. The Father. If you want to be filled, if you want to receive run. We have a baptismal ready. If you have never made that decision, it is open. Are you ready to live? Do you want the fire? Guess if you need to leave, we are releasing you. But we want to spend some time in prayer as the worship team and the prayer team comes up. If you need prayer for anything, come to here. Come up here. Surrender. Ask God, what do I need to surrender today? Because I want to be empty of me and full of you. Run. Run this morning. He's after you. He's after you. All you got to do is make that move towards him. He is ready to fill you and he is ready to love on you.